0: Game one is in the books. South Carolina Stingrays officially returned for the 2020-21 season. I'm Jared Schaffrin. Thanks for tuning in to the Pucktown Podcast. Another episode here as the season is underway. And while the result wasn't what the Stingrays were looking for, a 3-2 overtime loss to the Greenville Swamp Rabbits did get one point. But it wasn't the, the best result, obviously, you know, for a lot of the fans that watched the game. I think we can easily say that the Stingrays looked a little bit better earlier on in the game. And Greenville pushed the pace of play later in the contest. Most of the third period, Greenville controlling. But that said, the Stingrays put themselves in a position to win. They had a lead in the third period. And they had great chances in overtime, including a, a breakaway for Will Graber. So really could have been a, a puck bounce either way to decide opening night and Greenville gets the better of the stingrays but all that said boy it was great to fill up uh 2700 seats in the North Charleston Coliseum and have this team take to the ice and watch them play a hockey game it was it was pretty surreal I got choked up a couple times just you know thinking about all that went into it and the uncertainty and just you know knowing how hard everybody worked it was pretty cool to be a part of so I appreciate everybody that was at the game and if you couldn't be there, if you were tuning in, uh, we were great, great to have you along with us. And now we look towards the next week and even further. New, new schedule dates being released by the ECHL this week gives a little bit more clarity on how the schedule is going to look. I, I think the Stingrays are still waiting for you know the large portion to to finish out February and then beyond. But it's good to know the entirety of January is now. Uh, scheduled and the first couple dates in February as well. Stingrays home games that were added to the schedule: Friday, January fifteenth; Saturday, January sixteenth; Monday, January eighteenth, which is going to be an earlier start. Martin Luther King Jr. Uh, appreciation Day. There are uh, one o five p.m. start as the Stingrays take on the Jacksonville Icemen there on that Monday afternoon. And then home games on February 3rd, a Wednesday against Greenville, February 5th against Jacksonville on a Friday, and February 10th, the first home meeting between the Stingrays and the Florida Everblades. The Stingrays will be down in Estero for games January 29th and 30th. Mentioned that briefly, that you know no games were scheduled against Florida in the first portion of the schedule, and that's obviously a matchup that everybody's always looking forward to. So it's good to see some dates added against Florida for the second portion of the schedule that was released in Florida. Of course, 2-0 and in the standings, leading the South Division. They're off to a hot start. They're looking pretty good early on. The Stingrays are back in action this weekend. Home game on Saturday against Jacksonville at 6.05. It is the Teddy Bear Toss game, a virtual Teddy Bear Toss. Please, we're not throwing any bears on the ice. We're going to throw them right into the cruise Chevy trucks. They're going to be located at the entrance to the arena, so we're looking forward to getting that all taken care of on Saturday and donating as many teddy bears as possible once again this year. A great cause, Sarah's Cares and Low Country Orphan Relief, our beneficiaries for this season. And then the Stingrays, uh, of course, will be on the road in Jacksonville for Friday, and we'll have our first remote broadcast of the year on Flow Hockey. Uh, We will also be live on Mixler and Caps Radio as well. So if you can't uh, catch the games on flow this year, you can always listen to them uh, free of charge on the radio stations Mixler. And when we're on Caps Radio, which we are for the first couple games, so it's great to have a great broadcast edition uh, for this year. A lot of different opportunities to watch this team. And Saturday's game is going to be on My TV Charleston, it's going to be the first televised game in the area here in quite some time for the Stingrays. So we're really looking forward to being on television. So if you can't make it to the games, everyone here locally in Charleston, so many different options on how to watch and, and stay tuned and stay connected with us. We have had a great slate of guests to start this second season of the Pucktown podcast. Previous episodes, we started season two off with Ryan Blair, the new head coach of this team in his first season as he gets started. We had episode two with Jason Fitzsimmons, former Stingrays player, coach, and now Washington Capitals scout. And he is has a, just a wealth of information and it was great to catch up with him and have him feature him for our episode in, in season two last week. And now Todd Halloran, the owner of the South Carolina stingrays, uh, a guy who I've wanted to have on here as well as he makes, you know, he's so influential in the decisions that we make and the things that we do, but you know, it was really cool to, to get to talk to Todd specifically now. I mean, always great to have him on and, and would love to have him on more, because like I said, you know, his opinions are interesting and, and just he's a big hockey fan. And so I think as much as he's a very good business mind and he's savvy on the business side and we love him for that as well. But, you know, just from a hockey perspective, you know, I love to get his insights as, as someone who watches a lot of the game, who just is paying attention to all leagues and, and hockey really at every level, including the college game. So I think, you know, it was great to have Todd on specifically now because he is the reason we're playing. You know, we this has not been easy over the past couple months. And as again, everybody knows some and many teams in the ECHL are not playing this year. And, you know, Todd decided with the help of a lot of other people. But ultimately, he's the principal owner. So, uh, you know, I'm grateful for him that we're playing games. I think a lot of people and he said it, you know, when we talked, it, you know, there was a lot of people that, that have expressed that they're really appreciative that we're playing hockey. And so I just wanted to know more about you know, what went into the decision and kind of allow everybody else to peel back the curtain a little bit to hear, okay, here's here's been some of the concerns. This is how we came to this decision you know, and how, how things have been going. So it was great to have Todd on. Uh, we talked about a whole different host of things, a lot of things that just came out over the summer as far as our affiliation extension with the Washington Capitals the hiring of Ryan Blair, putting together a new roster, getting ready for this season that we didn't know when it was going to start, all of those things covered. Uh, and once again, just great, great to have Todd and, and be able to catch up, sit down and hear a little bit more of his insight into what he thinks and, and how things are, are look, looking for him. Because again, he's he's ultimately, you know, we've got some some different leaders here. We've got Ryan Blair, we've got Rob Kincannon, our president, and, you know, Todd factors in as, as our principal owner and He cares so much about this franchise, our program, and everything we have going on here. So it was really great to get some insight from him and hear how his summer was and how he's been doing things here differently uh, within this pandemic situation we're all in. So without further ado, my conversation with the Stingrays principal owner, Todd Halloran. On this week's edition of the Pucktown Podcast, I am proud to be joined by our principal owner, Todd Halloran. Uh, Todd, this is great to, to have you on. I know probably when I started the podcast, started mentioning to you that we, we wanted to do something, and uh, it's great to, to have some time to chat with you today. Thanks for joining us.
1: Thank you, Jared. Great to be here. We just had this
0: momentous opening night. Uh, obviously, the game on the ice would have loved to get two points, just got one, but I think overall, the the fact that, hey, in December of 2020, we were able to play a a pro hockey game with fans and with 2700 fans. We got to that uh, that number that we're allowed to have. What was it like to be a part of this, to bring this this uh, this league back and and have this opening night be so successful uh, last weekend?
1: Well, it was, it was very exciting, um, but ov- obviously very nerve-wracking, too. Uh, a lot has gone into uh, bringing hockey back to the low country. You know, If we go back to March when the season was initially suspended, we, you know, we weren't sure. Uh, we didn't think it would take this long to get back to hockey, but we, we were so proud of the effort by the league, uh, member teams, the front office, uh, Team President Rob Cuncannon, uh and his staff, um, it took a lot to get here. And again, we were very nervous being the largest indoor event, I believe, in, in the state of South Carolina. Uh, a lot of media was around before, during, and after the game. And, and uh, I'm, I'm happy to say that things went uh, incredibly well.
0: Yeah, and it's there's not much time to to take a break either. We got another game uh, this weekend, and I'm sure you know from the arena side, and I know our staff. It was really nice to get the first one out of the way cuz we know hey this is a 36 game regular season schedule and we we want to make sure things go even better and so there's a lot of improvements that I'm sure people will notice from the first game to when we when we finish up in June with the regular season I'm sure that the process of you know how fans are seated and how things are moving is is going to get better e- each week.
1: Yeah, a- absolutely and again what went into it behind the scenes is just incredible. Obviously there's this complicated scatter graph that that uh, determines, you know, how many people we can have in the arena, uh, the, the 25, 27 percent number really is derived from what does social distancing allow us to have. And so we look at, you know, one, two, three, four, six person pods and then appropriately social distance between those pods. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's funny, Jared, we're sitting here talking about the logistics of putting on, uh, you know, an entertainment event with fans uh, as opposed to the game. <laughs> um, and I don't want to take anything away from the game. And as you said, too bad uh, we only got one point uh, as opposed to two points out of that game. But, frankly, we were just so happy to have a game, to have hockey return to the North Charleston Coliseum, and to do it in a, in a very safe way. And I, I was very proud of our fans, Um you know, I, I was there, obviously, a couple hours before the game, after the game, during the game, and I was walking around the whole time. And by and large, our fans complied with, with the, with the uh, protocols that have been put in place, which is, you know, stay in your seats. And there's lots of opportunity, and I'm sure tempting to go to a, a better seat since three-quarters of them are empty. And by and large, the fans complied. They stayed in their seats. They continued to wear their masks yet they you know we could hear them cheering through their masks which was which was terrific we just we just wished we had a few more goals for them to cheer on
0: i was going to ask you you know what was that like for you watching the game how much time did you spend you know trying to focus on this is the first game that our team is playing, the first time you get get a chance to see some of these new players that we've got uh, on our on our roster, but also, yeah, trying to make sure that, you know, fans are, you know, I'm sure you were walking around, and like you said, just kind of seeing how things were, were going on an operations standpoint as well.
1: Yeah, I, I, you know, unfortunately spent more time walking around than actually sitting and watching. I, I think I got, in the second period, I, I might have had a seven or eight minute stretch where I was able to sit by myself and and watch you know the game a bit, uh, which I wanted to do. Obviously, eleven returning players, but a lot of new faces and n- n- new players. And I was excited to see you know the n- the new team, if you will. But um, but frankly, as I said, we were there to put on a game and to do it in the appropriate way. And it was important for me to walk around and also to talk to our fans. And I have to say, I was I was I was really touched by the number of fans that came up to me. Six feet apart, of course, <laughs> uh, with mask on and and express their gratitude for bringing hockey back, you know, bringing, you know, a little bit of normalcy back to this area, and this community um, and and to, you know, trusting them that that they would show up and be here for the team. And uh, and they did. Why going right off of that? Why did you feel? that it was important to, to be
0: playing and bring that normalcy back. And obviously some teams in our league have had different challenges than what we face in in South Carolina, but there are some teams and, and some ownerships that have decided maybe we're going to take the year off and obviously safety first. But here it was important. We want to play. We want to bring that normalcy back and, and that entertainment here into this region.
1: Sure. It, you know, it was a uh, very, very difficult and complicated decision Every owner um, was taking a look at their own circumstance, their own market, their own state, uh, what was happening from a uh, health perspective. And and so it was very interesting. Obviously, lots of meetings over the summer, uh, very spirited discussions. Um, you know, this league is represented by 19 states, two Canadian provinces. You have blue states, red states, and states in between. And what that really meant, not to politicize it, but it – but Certainly in terms of when states were opening up, in terms of holding events with fans, uh, that varied across the country. But everybody, believe me, everybody wanted the opportunity to bring hockey back to begin the season. And uh, there were a lot of very uh, passionate uh, discussions about how do we do that as a league, while at the same time ensuring as individual businesses um, and as I said, in individual states, how could we do that in a responsible way, in a way that made economic sense um, for us, for the you know, South Carolina Stingrays, Obviously, we are in the Southern Division. The Southern states uh, did have the opportunity to return uh, to play with fans with varying degrees. Um, obviously, in South Carolina, ours is about a 25 percent uh, limitation. Um, we thought it was important to, to sort of stand with our fellow um, member teams who, who also felt like they could open safely with fans. And so, you know, that was certainly a consideration. I was concerned about, you know, the Stingrays uh, dropping out of the, you know, the limelight, if you will, for a full season. Um, that can be difficult in terms of not being front of mind for, uh, for companies who are marketing and using our venue and our our experience to entertain and, and sell and market their, their goods and services, I was concerned about our fans um, losing touch with the team. Um, and so we, we really uh, spent a lot of time evaluating the, s- the situation. It is not an economically viable model and certainly not sustainable, but our hope is that, uh, you know, we can prove to the governor that we've done this responsibly and safely and um, perhaps we'll have the opportunity to allow more fans at our building before, before the year is completed.
0: Specifically in some of those meetings over the summer, you said obviously everybody's passionate, everybody's team circumstance is a, is a little bit different. You are not new to the Board of Governors meetings because you've been, you know, since you took principal ownership, you've been involved. But this has been <laughs> a totally – you guys don't meet this often. It seemed like there was a meeting at least once a month, sometimes even more frequently than that. What was it like just being part of that that group of people that, that had to figure something out and, and plan for a season like that?
1: Yeah, it, it, it was incredible. I mean, it was very interesting. Obviously, uh, you got to know people um, if you didn't already. <laughs> Uh, because we were we were certainly as a board of governors, were meeting every couple of weeks um, virtually, and uh, but there was also a COVID uh, subcommittee um, that a subgroup of, of um, governors and alternate governors could attend, and so and that meant weekly. Um, and then I serve on the executive committee of the ECHL, and we also have frequent meetings, and so between the three. Um, the three different uh, meetings uh, i you know i certainly spent a lot of time with with my fellow uh, uh members and and the commissioner and as i said very spirited discussions um great though sharing of ideas a lot of empathy uh around you know those phone calls but obviously there are times when um you know, doing right by each other and doing right by the league doesn't exactly align with doing right by one's own individual circumstance, that state, you know, some of the teams own their buildings, um, some don't. And uh, so it's, it's very tricky, very complicated, obviously uncharted waters. At the end of the day, we came up with what we thought was the best solution, which was allow those teams who could open with fans to get the season started, to start generating, you know, interest and revenue, while giving other teams an opportunity to join the league, you know, uh, uh, a number of weeks later. This uh,
0: summer, like I said, a little bit different, a little bit longer, but still a lot of major decisions for this organization. You guys. Uh, extended the affiliation with with the Washington Capitals. There was coaching staff uh, turnover. So there was a a time here where decisions still had to be made. Things were still happening, even though the team wasn't on the ice, players weren't here, and we didn't have a schedule. There were still some, some legitimate decisions to be made, and I wanted to start with the affiliation. Uh, I think, you know, since you've been here, obviously, with the Capitals, now it's seven straight seasons this year with Washington, and the the new affiliation agreement is until 2023. What was that like, you know, maybe finalizing that with the Caps? And I know they finalized an agreement with Hershey as well this summer, but uh, it seems like uh, everything is going really well on on the affiliation side of things.
1: Yeah, I I would say um, it's amazing what was going on this summer, you know, between COVID (laughs) Actually, we were also uh, negotiating a new long-term lease with the North Charleston uh, Coliseum and City, and uh, obviously there was there was the incredible task of bringing the front office back together and then eventually assembling a, you know the team. The affiliation agreement, putting that on top of all of that, was um, you know very very challenging. The good news is our relationship is so strong with with the Capitals that. Um, in the in the it was a high priority, but it didn't take as much time as some of the other things, obviously, and that's a testament to the relationship that's been formed between the two organizations over many years. As you know, there are a number of former Stingrays who have gone on to um, have prominent roles. You know, with with the Capitals, whether that be you know scouting or equipment managers or broadcasters, uh, certainly players. So it's a, there's a great relationship there. Um, actually, you know, between uh, the Capitals and ourselves, as well as between Hershey and ourselves. Um, uh, Rob McCann has great relationships with both organizations. That's obviously very helpful. And so when it came to, when it came down to Renewing that affiliation, certainly there was no question it's what we wanted to do. We believe it's what they wanted to do. Um, We've been associated with them for, you know, 15 years, seven in a row and 15 years altogether. We were very excited to renew that affiliation and, and, and actually extend it three years. So that cooperation um, and uh, coordination will continue. and you know we're very, very proud to be uh, an affiliate of, of the Capitals and the Bears.
0: We just had Jason Fitzsimmons on this podcast last week, so we got to talk a, a lot of affiliation and it was different from, from both of our ends that, you know, Washington is now looking at the Stingrays because there's no NHL games just yet. There's no AHL games yet, so it's kind of been a little bit of a spotlight on on the organization over the past couple of weeks
1: here. Yeah, no, it's 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 been great fun and and uh, and, and, and and in some regards uh, <laughs> because we we've had the opportunity to have more dialogue uh, with with people like Jason and work through with them, you know, how can we be helpful, particularly with some of their prospects, um, some players that they you know they really want to make sure that are developing and. And, and starting to hone their games, you know, now as opposed to waiting f- to when they start or when Hershey starts. And so I will say the league has been very uh, responsive and cooperative in terms of changing a few things uh, that dictate how we go about utilizing players and and, and expanding the roster. And so that's been fun. And, and at the home opener, it was just great to see, you know, in the stands sitting together, you know, w- w- we had carbs and we had Jared Bednar and and uh and jason and so you know you had you had a a brain trust there across different organizations all there to watch you know stingray's hockey and that was so that was very uh it was was very exciting for me and a proud moment
0: and the uh the main guy that that everyone's trusting to help develop these prospects now is is Ryan Blair. And that's another one of the decisions that had to be made over the summer. Obviously uh, losing Steve Bergen, I don't know if that was, you know, I'm sure you guys would love, would have loved to kept Steve Bergen. And and he did a great job over his four years with the organization, but uh, Ryan to to elevate him and make him the head coach uh, seemed like a a decision that you and Rob were absolutely on the same page with. And and so far it's, it's been a short amount of time, but he seems to have a really good handle on, on things so far.
1: Yeah, no, Ryan, Ryan has done an outstanding job, and, and uh, you're right. It was disappointing that we had to deal with that challenge among many this summer. Steve had done a great job with their, our organization, and, and uh, we think he has a great future ahead of him and, and uh, you know, disappointed that he wasn't going to uh, be with us again this season. But we wish him, you know, we, we wish him great success um, up in the Northeast. The good news is... Interestingly, um, and and perhaps not surprisingly, there was very very little concern about naming Ryan the head coach. Um, he had displayed, you know, in his first year as an assistant, incredible leadership, incredible uh, competence, um, and he also fit. He really fit into the culture of the of the Stingrays organization. Steve was a great proponent of his and didn't hesitate when we asked, you know, could he advocate for him? And he said, absolutely. And so, you know, we talked to Ryan, obviously, and ultimately it was uh, Rob's recommendation that he get the nod, and, and I agreed. And, so, and I have to say, you know, so far, so good. And, you know, what he had to do this summer, which it was very difficult and uncertain times, assemble a team, convince a core of that great team last year to come back and um, you know it's a testament to him that we had so many players come back um, and as well as attract you know um, other other players for the first time uh, back to the you know or for the first time to the to the South Carolina Stingrays so Ryan's done a great job um, we have a new assistant Brendan and Brendan you know he's been on the job you know three or four weeks but so far he seems to be fitting in very nicely as well.
0: I think for looking at the at the roster and just talking to a lot of these guys that are back of, of those eleven returners, maybe the the greatest job selling was done during last season. They had such a good time. They were such a close knit group. I think almost all of them mentioned yeah, yeah, we, we like Ryan and and we like the area, but last year's team was so fun. We we had such a, a good group of players. I think that almost was the biggest selling point for everyone to return is how great last year went.
1: Yeah, and, and, and you you know, you look at the makeup of the team last year and obviously skill is a factor. But uh, people often talk about chemistry. It is, it is an equal factor. Um, the chemistry last year just seemed to be, you know, awesome. You know, the locker room had a certain tone and mindset that uh, was all about, you know, teamwork and winning and, and, and being professional. And, and it all, you know, it sort of came together. It's a, it's a shame, you know, we, we went as far as we did. And then, and then to have the rug pulled out from underneath us. It's, it was disappointing, obviously, understanding, but still uh, disappointing. And I think I think a lot of those players who did return, you know, they have some unfinished business. And so, consequently, it comes with some high expectations now. And if you look at the talent that's being assembled around that core, you know, we should we should have um, high expectations. And we're, we're very excited about uh, in terms of what's going to happen on the ice. You know, we have a lot of confidence in the season.
0: I wanted to ask you this because, And it's it's probably tough to answer just because uh, this year specifically has just been so challenging in every way. Nothing is the same as it was going into last season. But, you know, when you were able to when you were named uh, principal owner and and you kind of took the reins here and and took over a few years back, um, you mentioned, hey, this is a new thing for me. We're going to try some new things and it's going to be a little bit different. But you were very excited about the prospect of, of learning a little bit here. So now you, you finished your first uh, couple of years and now it's year three. Has there been anything that you that you feel like you have learned or is there anything that stood out to you that maybe was a little bit different than what you thought coming in?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, it, it certainly let, let's put COVID aside. Right, That's right. a whole nother, you know, <laughs> uh, conversation. Um, but but, you know, I I embarked on this journey because I love this intersection between sports and entertainment, small business, and community engagement, and um, that's what I saw from the outside as um, you know a really interesting uh, combination that was appealing to me personally, professionally, and financially. And um, I have to say, those three elements um, have been absolutely uh, reinforced, you know, over the last couple of years. We, we're in the sports and entertainment business. It is a small business, but it is a complicated business. And yes, I have learned a lot, and I think we've done uh, a lot of the right things. And in terms of the community engagement, uh, listen, we rely on you know local fans, we rely on local businesses, we rely on local non for profits uh, to make this all happen, and that has been you know frankly incredibly rewarding. I th- I think my instinct was uh, you had an organization that had some great tradition. Been around a long time, great fan following, but there, there are some things we could do differently, and those things were going to require investment. And it was investing in people, investing in systems, investing in uh, marketing, and uh, you know, I think I think we did that. We in our second full year, we were on our way in terms of the business of the South Carolina Stingrays. We were on our way to a record year um, financially. And, uh, you know, another reason uh, what transpired in March was so disappointing um, because, you know, we had, the, we had the best record on the ice and we we're headed towards, you know, our, our best uh, financial performance in over 26 years uh, off the ice. And so that was, that was disappointing. Having said that, we've learned a lot. And there are some things that we're going to, you know, that certainly we're going to do differently going forward. COVID has presented, you know, some opportunities because it forces us to relook at our business model. It forces us to think about how do we compete for the fans' attention? Um, How do we compete for businesses, um, their marketing budgets, their engagement? How do we compete with other elements of, um, you know, the community that have, frankly, other avenues, whether they, you know, want to market their goods and services or whether they want to entertain customers or employees. You know, what do we need to do to be more creative um, and to engage all of those constituents in a way that makes, makes sense for the South Carolina stingrays? And, um, I'm, you know, I'm very excited. This is, this is an area that is continuing to grow um, economically. And uh, from a fan perspective, the demographics are such that uh, we have, uh, you know, a ton of fans. And I'm excited about expanding, you know, the level of interest. I'm a hockey fan, and we have great loyalty among other local hockey fans. But our challenge always is how do we appeal to those who may not be hockey fans today? And I think we were um, doing a, a number of different things effectively. uh, And until, you know, it got disrupted, uh, interrupted last year, Um, as I said, we were on our way to, you know, hitting new heights. I'm I'm confident we're going to get back there. It just it's going to take a little bit of time.
0: Yeah. And I guess you kind of mentioned it a little bit there at the the beginning. But, you know, although obviously from a financial perspective, not having the end of the regular season hurts and not having uh, we we had clinched a spot in the playoffs. So there was going to be some kind of a playoff run as well. That hurts, too. But on the other side of things, like you mentioned, the the creative thinking that's happened because of this, uh, not just to, hey, how can we have a game safely, but, you know, how can we market in a better way or a more efficient way? Uh, You probably see it in all other areas of business on a day-to-day basis as well. But I'm sure that that now is going to be a little bit of a different way for us to think of how can we be at the forefront of of that, the way of thinking that that's going to be a little bit different now as we come back from from the, the pandemic here.
1: Uh, absolutely. And, you know, a lot of the things we were doing pre-COVID, you know, have only just been accelerated in terms, of, again, engagement with the fans, um, you know, because you're involved with a lot of this. But, you know, Zoom calls between our players and our fans, other, so, other uh, social media um, strategies for, you know, for keeping engaged um, with our fans, but also keeping engaged with our sponsors who are so very important to us. I think they appreciated the fact that in this off season, an off season like no other, we were engaged with them. And it, as opposed to that engagement being around a hockey game, it tended to be around um, giving back to the community, you know, delivering coffee or pizza to, you know, the frontline workers. You know, working at the food bank, you know, on behalf of and with our corporate sponsors side by side. You know, there's there are a lot of things we can do um, to enhance that relationship. And, uh, you know, we do have to be creative because um, a number of the things that we used to do meant a lot of people together in our small space. And uh, so the front office has been uh, very, very, uh, very creative. Um, they've worked incredibly hard. And I think and hope, you know, our, our corporate partners and our fans appreciate it.
0: The next challenge, I guess, for this team is that they haven't been on a road trip yet. So road trips are going to look a little bit different uh, for me. I'm going to be doing my first remote broadcast uh, in a couple of days. So that's uh, that's probably the next challenge. But but no, I, Todd, this has been great having you on. And and, you know, it's been great to, to learn a little bit more. I think for fans, this sheds a little bit more of a light on what it was like for us to to bring hockey back and what are some of the challenges that that we are trying to to face and and take head on and then improve ourselves as a as a business as well so uh, I really appreciate you giving us some time today, and uh, and we hope to have you back on soon. Hopefully, the next time that, that we have you on the podcast, we don't really even have to talk about COVID. We could just talk about uh, hockey team and promotions and, and the normal things that uh, that we'd be discussing on a on a podcast.
1: Well, that, I, I I look forward to that day, and I you know I think and hope it's uh, it's coming very soon. And I just want to say thank you for giving me the opportunity to speak to you and to speak to our fans and others. Um, I really appreciate, we couldn't have got to this point without uh, again, the support of our partners, the support of our fans. And, you know, we're doing our small part to try to bring back some normalcy to the, to the low country. So thank you for that opportunity.
0: We mentioned the schedule this weekend for the stingrays one on the road Friday, then at home on Saturday, a home and home with Jacksonville. Then the next week, Stingrays have a few days off for the Christmas holiday. Uh, No games on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day, but a game in Greenville on December 26th at 7.05. And then back here on a Sunday afternoon, our first family Sunday of the season on December 27th against Greenville. Part of a three-game stretch the Stingrays are facing all Greenville. January 1st, New Year's Day of 2021, the team will be back in Greenville, up uh, in the Upstate, to face the Swamp Rabbits. That's a 2:05 start. So you, I mean, a little bit of a quirky schedule here around the holidays, of course. And uh, then the Rays head on to Jacksonville, January 2nd, to take on the Icemen. That'll be a seven o'clock start. Rays then home for a nice stretch: January 8th, 9th, 15th, 16th, and 18th. Five straight home games toward the middle of January, where we can really sink our teeth into some hockey and. You know, like I said at the beginning here, the, the sk- standing's going to be interesting. There's only five teams in the South. We don't even know what our playoff format is yet, but it's a good time for this team to gel. There's a lot of new faces that are getting used to some new line mates, some new defensive partners, and, you know, all three goalies on the roster right now are brand new. We didn't even really talk much roster on this podcast, but the roster for South Carolina right now loaded with talent. Just got to get everyone up to speed and and used to playing with each other. And I think you're going to see that over the next couple days and weeks. And when this team hits its stride, I think this should be pretty fun to watch. So really looking forward to getting into the meat of this season and so happy that we were able to get through opening night and have such a great group of fans in the building cheering on this team. So we will talk to everyone next week for another edition of the Pucktown podcast again appreciate everyone's feedback always willing to hear some some suggestions for guests and uh would love any and all feedback so definitely feel free to uh tweet me at jared chaffron And always willing to uh, hear some suggestions of who I should have and hopefully looking to have some new guests on soon. Really excited about what we've got on tap for next week. I think it'll be a pretty popular episode next week as well. So thanks again to Todd Halloran for joining us. Thanks to you all for listening. And we'll see you all at the rink for some Stingrays hockey this weekend. Have a good one, everybody.